0: Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast Tonight, no microphone, just me, the microphone and the phone, my voice Tonight, I promise you, we're just going to talk about film noir And why Turner Classic Movies really pays great attention to film noir Eddie Mueller has a show, Noir Alley, that comes on at midnight Eastern, and then it comes on tomorrow morning was perfect, you know. You can dive into these different um films, you know, such as Key Largo, such as Double Indemnity. You know, um, why are we talking about film noir because it's important, it's a genre that has been parodied, it's been analyzed and overanalyzed, like many genres. I remember growing up watching in Living Color. And they parodied it, where the woman calls every guy Johnny, you know, because there's a lot of characters in the film noir films, you know, their name just happens to be Johnny. And then you have someone like, um, Robert Mitchum, you know, out of um, Connecticut very interesting past, perfectly fit film noir. Somewhere out of the past, out of the past. The dialogue, the lines. Uh, uh, Up until this point this year, Kirk Douglas was the only surviving cast member of that film. He died this year at 102, 103. You know, a lot of the greats of Film Noir are gone. Why is Film Noir important? I will tell you why. You know, it's always good to have a synopsis. Film Noir. I know. It's almost like saying downtown Abbey. Downtown, not downtown. You know, we have to correct people sometimes. Here is the generalization of... Well, not generalization, but the definition of film noir. A style or genre. A, cinema, a graphic film marked by mood of pessimism, fatalism, and menace. The term was originally applied by a group of French critics to American thriller or detective films made in the period between 1944 and 1954. And to the work of directors such as Orson Welles, Fritz Lang, and Billy Wilder. Film noir has so many iconic moments from the Big Sleep. Yes, there's there's controversy about the Big Sleep, the Big Heat, the setup, night and night and the city, DOA, gun crazy, the definition. You know, screwball comedies can't really fit in film noir. I mean, maybe if you, you know, did something with it. And then you look at early films, you know, under the direction of Joseph von Sternberg, such as Shanghai Express, 1932, and The Devil is a Woman, 1935, with their hothouse eroticism and Baroque visual style, anticipated central elements of classic New War. The commercial and critical success of Sternberg's Silent Underworld. From 1927 Which was largely responsible for spurring A trend of Hollywood gangster films (sighs) Film noir The 1940s, the 1950s And with that you have The Postman Always Rings Twice The Killers Out of the Past The noir counterpart to Femme Fatale, The Private Eye came to the forefront in films such as The Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart and Murder, My Sweet with Dick Powell as Philip Marlowe. Philnor, you know, we could probably put Chinatown within that aspect. Jack Nicholson is playing Jake Giddes trying to investigate Evelyn Mulroy. At one point, Someone else comes in posing as Evelyn Mulray. Mulray and then he meets the actual Eve, Evelyn Mulray. And he's like, you're not the Evelyn Mulray. Yes, Mr. it is that Evelyn Mulray. Yeah. Robert Mitchum at one point in the 1970s played in The Big Sleep. You know, Bogart had done it in the 40s. Mitchum decided to redo it in the 70s. There are films today with a lot of noir aspects. Blood Simple, done by the Coen brothers in 1984. The Grifters, Mike Lee, with Angelica Houston, John Cusack, and that Benny. There are noir aspects to it. There's even not the. Maltese Falcon, you know, the connection right there, Angelica Houston and her father, John Houston, who was synonymous with detective films, especially under uh, the guidance of uh, his stars, such as Humphrey Bogart. Film Noir, it's still alive and well. I mean, there are such films as Mulholland Drive, Even the current incarnation of Perry Mason on HBO. That's why I loved it so much. That's film noir right there. You know, um, that Bogart hat, a way of talking. The loner, you know, traveling by yourself, controlling your own transportation, shall we say. Eddie Mueller has said that there is controversy that they can't really classify the big sleep as film noir. I disagree. I disagree because it's a detective story. There is mystery and intrigue to it. And yes, it's Bogart and Bacall. Yes, some people feel that the plot went out the door and Howard Hawks was just like, because Howard Hawks knew what he was doing, despite a lot of his issues, Howard Hawks was a brilliant, brilliant director gave us Bogart and Bacall it was Howard Hawks who discovered Lauren Bacall her real name was Betty Joan Persky okay if anyone knows about noir it's Bogart and Bacall and then you have someone Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray double indemnity Double Indemnity is such a wild film. It took everything that film noir really takes for granted and really pumped it up. Even The Postman always rings twice. You could even see film noir aspects in Quentin Tarantino, in Scorsese. You look at Pulp Fiction, for instance, there is film noir aspect to Pulp Fiction. There's the mystery, there's the intrigue. There's the dialogue. Where are these characters coming from? The femme fatale. I think a lot of actresses love to play femme fatale. And when I say that, what comes to mind is Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct is a film noir film. It's a very shocking film. There is a controversy of Sharon Stone not wearing the underwear. And that famous shot people rewound and fast forward and paused yes they did and they are lying if they say they didn't do that and interestingly enough within basic instinct is actress dorothy malone who was in the big sleep and got her start in b films won an academy award for written on the wind in fact, I can I think that is the last film that Dorothy Malone ever did. She died a couple of years ago in her 90s, but her her last film was a film noir, Basic Instinct. Some people would disagree and say Basic Instinct is more of a thriller, but it is film noir. You have your detective played by Michael Douglas who gets in deep and then it becomes a thriller. Could we call the Silence of the Lambs film noir? Maybe, maybe certain aspects. There are so many different aspects within film noir. Just saying that word alone. Oh, you're into film noir? You join almost like a secret society. But I love how all audiences are discovering film noir. Noir. A lot of these actors are gone. And then you have the actress who played Vita in Mildred Pierce. Yes, Mildred Pierce is considered film noir. It was... Joan Crawford really... Her career had really taken a punch. She signed with a different studio. She was not happy at Metro Golden Mare, as Mommy Dearest has told us, the movie. Signed with uh, Warner Brothers And here was Mildred Pierce Here was Possessed Here was Sudden Fear There's even film noir aspects to whatever happened to Baby Jane More than a thriller aspect Film noir You know, you have a lot of Femme fatales Mildred Pierce, Joan Crawford, was not playing A femme fatale Her daughter was Mildred Pierce was directed by Michael Curtiz Who had directed Casablanca Sir Joan Crawford, Jack Carson, Zachary Scott, Eve Arden, Anne Blythe, and Bruce Bennett? Anne Blythe, who is still alive, played Joan Crawford's daughter, Vita. In fact, Anne Blythe is 92 as of this year. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Vita in Mildred Pierce. Mildred Pierce has classic film noir aspects to it. It starts off, something has happened, and we do a flashback to reassess the events leading up to this moment. It is a ghost of Christmas past meets Christmas future, Christmas present, all in one. Why these characters are the way they are. There's always a dark aspect. There's always a past, a very rickety past, shall we say. And at the heart of that is, you know, your villains. And Anne Blythe plays the villain, Vita. But you don't realize that right away. You just think, oh, she's bratty. But then, you know, she really becomes... Maniacal. That's the other thing about film noir. You have people who are playing, you know, really great characters, dirty characters, dark. Uh, In a in a lonely place was directed by Nicholas Ray, uh, based on a novel by noir fiction writer Dorothy B. Hughes. Gloria Graham and Humphrey Bogart, star-crossed lovers in the film. It was. It's always star-crossed lovers. Always, there's a phone call in the middle of the night in a film noir film, and you have to show up. Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity, Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep. You wake up in the middle of the night, something is afoot. These private investigators. You look at the 1980s what was the biggest television show on TV? Magnum PI, this private investigator. There are noir aspects to Magnum PI. It's not just fun. It's not just this beautiful setting in Hawaii. There is a film noir aspect. Even Murder, she wrote, there is the noir film noir. It continues. It's continuous. That's why it matters. That's why we're talking about it. That's why I love it. That's why I think. Robert Mitchum and Humphrey Bogart are two icons within that. Now I'm going to mention something that I should mention from the beginning. There is a role of inclusion here. And in 1995, we got devil in a blue dress. Denzel Washington. Don Cheadle. In fact, um, of them should have been nominated it was an interesting film I remember watching it a couple of years ago that is truly noir directed by Carl Franklin didn't make very much and you know some of the really great movies don't you have Denzel Washington as Easy Rollins Tom Sizemore as DeWitt Albright Jennifer Beals as Daphne Monette Don Cheadle as Mouse. This is a noir film, and it's set in 1948 Los Angeles. Devil in a Blue Dress, the 1995 American new neo-noir mystery thriller, written and directed by Carl Franklin and photographed by uh, Taki Fujimoto. The film is based upon the Walter Mosley's novel of the same name and features Denzel Washington. We already talked about that. So What I'd like to see happen Is Noir is come back in a different form More inclusion And that's what I loved about Perry Mason That's Noir right there You have Jonathan Rice Or is it Jonathan Not Jonathan Rice Matthew Reese I'm sorry Matthew Reese It's late Playing Perry Mason He's having a fling with um, The woman that owns the airfield Right next to his house She's Mexican Inclusion right there You have this beat cop This African American beat cop In 1930s Los Angeles Very racist time And he still goes to work Every day Sees something and has to risk his career In order to do the right thing And he meets Perry Mason it's rocky at, at first And then you have um, You know Perry Mason's friend Della Let's let's just say There's a lot of inclusion in Perry Mason A couple of weeks ago I was watching Gilda, which is also film noir Rhea Hayworth There is a homosexual Aspect to Gilda Watch it, and you will see what I'm talking about. So there is this inclusion. If you look for it, it's there. Within the film noir genre, or a subgenre, shall we say. As always, Unpleasant Dreams, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast.